1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're going to be talking today about Obama throwing Israel under the bus. But before we get into that, and I introduce my guest, um, I want to give a shout-out to people on the East Coast Um, As many of you know, I was born and bred in New York, and whenever anything happens in New York that is unfortunate, um, it affects me. I couldn't sleep last night because I was thinking about all my favorite places in New York and whether they're underwater or what's going on or whether, you know, people who I know, um, still friends and family and various people, colleagues who I know, whether they're okay. And uh, also it particularly affected me. When I heard about um, the NYU Bellevue uh, being affected, the electricity the generator failed, and they were um, having to take patients down the stairways. Of course, there was no uh, electricity for the elevators, and so they were carrying patients down the stairs and um, getting them into ambulances and getting them to hospitals that did have electricity. Um, And babies, newborn babies who were in the ICU, the nurses had to carry them with ambu bags, you know, to keep their respiration going, breathe for them, because, of course, the the respirators went off. um, And, uh, you know, what it reminded me of, um, I did my psychiatry residency at NYU Bellevue, and it was an incredible place and people who go there are a special kind of people who like to deal with these well i mean not like to but well i guess like the challenge of not that anyone would wish that hurricane sandy or anything like it happens but but can rise to the challenge let's put it that way and uh i was really proud of of seeing what everybody was doing there but um it also made me think this morning as i was driving in i was thinking about you know how uh how this has impacted New York in such a, I mean, the whole eastern seaboard, of course, I'm especially attached to New York, but it reminded me of 9-11 and how that was unexpected. I mean, this, at least, Hurricane Sandy, we knew for a while. Um, we were anticipating that it was coming, although I don't think people really realized just all the devastation that there would be, um, but it made me remember 9-11 as I'm sure it made a lot of people, uh, it triggered memories of 9-11. And that kind of goes in, I was just uh, talking with my guest beforehand and um, saying how that kind of fits with what we're talking about today because uh, Israel lives under constant threat with its various neighbors, especially now becoming the neighbors, becoming particularly um, virulent and violent. Um, and so, you know, when people were uh, expecting hurricane sandy to come and uh you know we're we're worrying about, some people were in denial of course but a lot of people were worrying about what what it was going to mean it's it's kind of the same constant threat although it's constant in israel um, that people have to adjust to living under so um i know that the whole the people are mainly thinking about hurricane sandy although the worst i think is gone done um, but the next thing to think about is the election, and that's what we're going to be. Um, that's why I wanted to have my guest on again today. He's been on before. His name is David Rubin. He is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He's the founder and president of Shiloh, Israel Children's Fund, which treats terror victim children. And he's the author of two books, The Islamic Tsunami and God, Israel, and Shiloh. Welcome, to the sh- welcome back to the show, David.
3: Well, thank you, Dr. Carroll. It's good to be back with you.
2: Well, yes. And I know that, I mean, it really, uh, obviously, this is this is probably, it could well be the most important election that America has ever had. And, um, one of the, so I, I've been ha- trying to have on in these weeks before voting day, election day, um, people who can, who really know the facts and can put things, particularly about the danger of Obama, in perspective, and so i'd like you to talk about i mean um, Romney has um, rather bravely um, and boldly you know actually said that Obama has been and is throwing Israel under the bus, and so talk about talk about first of all, how did you feel when you actually heard him say it right out like that
3: well he, he's actually been saying it for a while uh-huh. and he 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 may not go into as much detail as I do, but uh, but but it's 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 true. Um, if you look at the last four years, you see a terrible pattern of at at best neglect of Israel and, and at worst hostility towards Israel. Uh, the, you know, just just uh, we can go all the way back to the beginning of President Obama's term uh, when his first. Call his first phone call to a foreign leader was to the the chairman of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, who uh, not only is the chairman of the Palestinian Authority, but but is also a Holocaust denier. Mm. Uh, he, he, he wrote his doctoral dissertation uh, denying the Holocaust. So, mm. you know, th- this is a, a very uh, very strange thing for the president to be making his first foreign policy phone call uh, to such a person. Uh, yeah. Secondly, his first two visits overseas were to Istanbul, Turkey, and Cairo, Egypt, where he proclaimed the call to prayer from the mosques uh, to be, be the prettiest sound on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these, these are very strange patterns for a president of the United States who who should be uh, reassuring his allies when he comes into office, but he did just the opposite. He went well, to reassure the worst enemy of the United States.
2: Well, okay, to play devil's advocate, what if he, he I mean, I guess he defended that by saying, um, I mean, how, how has he defended it? I mean, didn't he, of course, he denied that there was any, uh, there was any what um, anything that would well, ultimately negatively reflect on the states from those things, but um, even did he try to say that uh, that there was a benefit to israel from from these calls that this was these were really calls to to try to help make peace
3: oh yes he he certainly did. He tried to put that spin on it. Uh, he said that he came into office saying that he was going to change. The relationship between the Islamic world and the United States. This was something that that was a, a, a strong drive that he had when he came to office. And and uh, you know, do, Dr. Cal, you're the psychologist, so you you could analyze it uh, from President Obama's dreams of his father um, and, and try and understand exactly what what it was that that motivated uh did this strong drive that he had uh to cuddle up to america's enemies but but what he, that that was actually what he did because uh you know if if it was done concurrently with with efforts to uh to reassure Israel and to reassure the other allies of the United States, well it would have been different but but here we have a a president who came into office um uh, and is busy. Hobnobbing with 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 all of these uh, Islamic leaders, including the president of Turkey, who he considers to be one of his closest uh, foreign policy confidants, and he hasn't been to Israel once since being elected president. Uh, I, I think that says a lot, right there. Well, uh, yes, that, and that
2: came up in the last debate, and then he well he said that uh, I mean I guess he he was saying that he had been. Um, where he had been to visit the the Holocaust Museum, the Holocaust Memorial, but I guess that was before his presidency. Well,
3: that, that was during his election campaign. Yeah.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. So,
3: so we we understand that you know we're we're not fools here in Israel. We we understand that the um, American politicians tend to do that. Uh, Romney did it himself. He, he went yeah. to Israel uh, for right. a visit, and, and you know so so I. I I would have to say that those, that Obama's visit in 2008 and Romney's visit in 2012 kind of balanced each other out. Uh, the, the difference between the two, however, is that when Obama was here, he came here, uh, to, to study, as, as he put it, to study, uh, the, the role of Israel as the victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he, he went to to see where the the missiles were falling in the south on Israeli towns. Uh, he went to Yad Vashem to the Holocaust Museum. And while while that's a a, a big part of our current situation our history, uh, Romney came and and made a, a strong stand, a strong positive stand on behalf of Israel. He spoke out about Israel being, about Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, which Mm -hmm. Israelis notice things like that. It it wasn't by accident, and and we're we're planning on holding him to it, that that he's going to uh, continue to say that after he's elected.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, at least he's been speaking out, I I think, really boldly about all of these things. Well, we need to take a break. Um, My guest... Is David Rubin. He is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He's the author of two books. We'll talk more about that. We're talking today about Obama throwing Israel under the bus. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com. Think of the
0: world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now.
2: and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about uh, what you need to know, some more things that you need to know, to know to make the proper choice on Election Day. And today we're talking about Obama throwing Israel under the bus with my guest David Rubin. And um, regardless of your religion or how you feel about Israel, One thing we all need to be concerned about, which is um, whether Iran is allowed to build nuclear weapons. And um, regardless of what religion you are or, again, how you feel about Israel, um, such a weapon will affect you, I can promise you. Um, David Rubin is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, and the founder of Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, which treats children who are are victims of terror. Um, You know... Why don't we – uh that was, of course, one of the things that came up in the third presidential debate. Um, you know, it was about foreign relations, so of course Iran came up and nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, it has boggled my mind and bothered me. just been so incredibly frustrating, as I'm sure it's been even more to you and, and other people as well, um, how we've been like the little boy who cried wolf with Iran. I mean, this has been going back for years and years. I I don't know if people remember, but um, I remember being in Europe on a vacation in Italy and watching television there. And, uh, of course, you get to hear some things on on European television that you don't get to hear on American television. And um, they were talking about the sanctions and so on, I guess, in greater depth. And so I remember that was a quite a while ago, and we've been sort of um, holding the thread or, or acting on some of it, I guess, um, of sanctions. And Iran is just laughing all the way to their nuclear um, arms factory uh, at us for you know, oh, you don't do that, don't do that. You better not develop nuclear weapons. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna do these sanctions on you. I mean, it's like ridiculous
3: yeah but it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of like saying well uh, you're gonna have to go in the corner yeah. um, i mean i mean i was uh you know i i don't know if you know this dr Carroll. i i grew up in in new york as well mm-hmm. and and when and I, I remember i i used to teach in uh in the new york city public schools and you know there's there's always you know you give the give the kid a warning if he's misbehaving and you know, and you, eventually you got to send them to the corner, uh, but but I, I I don't know how much how much good sending a kid to a corner actually does, and it, especially if it's a serious infraction. You know, if you have you have one kid who's threatening to kill another kid, uh, you're not going to send them to the corner, right? And then tell them, okay, you have to have a timeout. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, so it's analogous to the situation in in the Middle East today. Uh, we, we have this country, uh, called Iran, which is run by fanatical Islamic, uh, Ayatollahs, they call themselves, uh, supposedly religious leaders, and all oh, you know, it's, it's hard to understand what kind of spirituality there is in, in, uh, calling for uh, another countries or, or, uh, countries in plural as well, just destruction. Um, i mean it's a, a, a very very situ- serious situation the fact is that those sanctions that uh the the US administrations and and that includes president bush before obama uh the sanctions that they've been talking about for years uh you know it it just doesn't work it's a, all that it does is create a little bit of havoc in their economies it, it, it makes it hard harder for the man or the woman in the street, but it doesn't put an end to their nuclear weapons program. The nuclear weapons program is going full speed ahead. Uh, it hasn't been stopped one iota, and it's it's just fascinating how uh, all these world leaders who are who are just terrified of of these Muslim fanatics are afraid to stand up and And say you know we're we're going to support uh, Israel doing what it needs to do, you know if they don't have the courage to do it themselves, then at least give Israel passive support and let Israel go forward and and stop this nuclear weapons program once and for all.
2: Well, what is the current um feeling sentiment sentiment buzz on the streets of Israel now about about, you know, going ahead or or is, or is everything kind of on hold to see who the president is going to be? I mean, the, well, the American president.
3: Sure, sure. The latter part of what you said is very true. Uh, there, there's a lot of attention being, being given, a lot of attention being given to the American elections. Most of the country is hoping that Obama will not be reelected uh, because it's a, it's just an open secret. You know, that whatever our prime minister, uh, whatever positive spin he tries to put on it publicly, whatever positive things he tries to say about th- this president, uh, everyone knows, uh, everyone in the government knows, everyone in the street knows uh, that President Obama is not a pro-Israel president. I mean, all, all you have to do is look at the polls of the past few years, and and you see this. Uh, where, where um, his pro-Israel rating was as low as 3% a couple of years ago. It's gone up to about 14% and it's gone down a little bit but never gets higher than that 14 or 15%. Are
2: level. you talking about polls in Israel or polls in America? Polls
3: in Israel. Polls in Israel uh-huh. asking the question is President Obama a pro-Israel president? Mm-hmm. And And it's you know, you always have between eight and nine Israelis out of ten, uh, and sometimes more, saying that President Obama is not a pro-Israel president by any any means. So, uh, all all of your listeners out there should not believe the the spin that the Democratic Party and you know, Axelrod and all of the people surrounding Obama are trying to put on his uh, his pro-Israel credentials. He is. He is an, an anti-Israel president. He's hostile to Israel. Uh, anyone who's who sat in on the meetings between Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu knows that. And I I don't think that that's what America uh, needs right now, is to alienate its allies. I mean, all you have to look at, uh, it's not just Israel. I mean, so just take a look at uh what what obama has done to america's south american policy cozying up to chavez um you know, who was who was you know an anti-american communist uh cozying up to other enemies of of the united states uh bowing down mm. to the king of saudi arabia i mean th- this this is not uh pro Israel president, and and frankly, you know, it's hard to understand if, you know, how anyone can even claim that he's a pro-American president, because what he's done is so blatantly against American interests.
2: Yes. Um, You know, and and I don't know whether people realize or realize enough um, just how, I mean, if when Iran does get nuclear weapon capabilities and certainly, you know, their desire to, to, to get that is certainly stronger than, as you were saying, certainly stronger than any kind of sanctions, any kind of impact of the sanctions. I mean, that's regardless of what the sanctions are, their main goal is to, uh, is to blow up Israel. I mean, they've said it. Ahmadinejad has said that, to, to destroy Israel and the West. So, I mean, he's not, like, hiding his intentions. Um, so I don't think people realize how vital um, Israel's uh, friendship or, you know, role, potential role is. I mean, really, um, at this point, I think our, our safety depends upon israel's uh um intelligence you know uh about about iran um and and access to be able to do something to in the last moment you know when it gets down to uh when it gets past the red line <laughs> um to do something to stop that i mean we the the world is going to be dependent upon Israel for that especially if obama gets in but but um but because of so many different reasons you want to talk to that
3: well i think that we need to analyze uh what is what is happening it's not just uh the iranians trying to destroy israel so uh, i wish it were that simple if we if we were that simple it would be more manageable uh, The the fact is that we have two concurrent patterns happening in the Middle East. We have the Iranian nuclear weapons program, which I call the nuclear weapons race because they are speeding ahead towards having those nuclear bombs. And concurrently with that, we have the the Sunni Muslim race uh, for domination. And, you know, the, the Shiite Muslims are the Iranians. The Sunni Muslims are the Muslim brotherhood. Uh, which we heard about not so long ago in Egypt and Libya and, and now Syria. Uh, th- those, those are the ones who, who are fighting for domination in the Islamic world. Uh, but ultimately they, they have, a, it's a three-step process. First they get domination in the Islamic world in the Middle East. Then they get domination over Israel. And then they go for domination over the West which mm-hmm. includes the United States. That is their three-step process. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very dangerous process, not just for Israel, but uh, obviously for the United States as well. Now, they're, they're well on their way. Uh, but both of those parties, the Sunni Muslims in Egypt, Libya, Syria, and so on, uh, and the Iranians, uh, the Shiite Muslims, uh, they, they're involved in the same three-step race and and who's going to win that race uh to to us it really doesn't matter and shouldn't matter uh the the reality is that it it's a three-step race they they're, they're dominating the middle east that process is well underway and and um, soon it'll just be clear that that's the situation and then the second level will be for them to try to destroy israel and if they can accomplish step number two, then they are definitely going to go on their way towards step number three.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And,
3: and uh, by the way, this is not something that is a product of my imagination. All you have to mm-hmm. do uh, is listen to the ayatollahs in Iran who say it outwardly and to look at the doctrine, the written doctrine of the Muslim Brotherhood, that calls for the destruction of Western civilization from within.
2: Mm. We'll come back to that when we come back, from within. Um, My guest, we we need to take another break. My guest is David Rubin. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. Um, He is the author of The Islamic Tsunami. We're talking today about Obama throwing Israel under the bus and how that's really going to be affecting all of us you're listening to dr carol's couch and i'm your psychiatrist host dr carol lieberman
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
0: Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer, and someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the Dream Home Game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live
2: with another show trying to uh, open up the curtain and expose Obama and his real intentions and what another term in office would mean for the country. And um, I just want to reiterate that regardless of your religion or how you feel about Israel, um, Obama's throwing Israel under the bus is not good for anybody, and we were just talking about uh, one of the main reasons why not, which has to do with Iran ga- gathering nuclear weapons, and my guest, David Rubin, who is the founder and president of Shiloh israel children 's fund that treats terror victim children, um, is you were telling us about uh, about their the plans the three step plan um as that the Sunni and Shiites have. And you, you were up to talking about, uh, the plan or the, the ultimate goal of destroying the West from within.
3: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a very serious What do you
2: mean by that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's,
3: a, it's, a, it's very clear. There, there, it's, it's actually, a, also, we, we could divide that alone into, into three levels. Uh, okay. it's a three-pronged attack. Uh, we, we have the attempts to to infiltrate the West uh, by by sending over a lot of Muslims increasing the Muslim em- immigration to the United States and Europe uh, right now we have fifteen to twenty five percent Muslim populations in a lot of the major European cities and the 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 entire atmosphere has changed in Europe if anyone uh, was in Europe about 30 years ago. Uh, they, they know that the atmosphere has changed drastically. Um, well, I can
2: attest to that. I went to medical school in Belgium and lived in, lived there for three years and in Paris for two and a half years, and I have been back. And yes, every time I go back, I see significant, um, changes. And because the people, the Muslims, and this is not, you know, I know it's not, I mean what we're talking about uh doesn't get talked about a lot in mainstream media for a number of reasons i mean of course because it's pro pro obama pro, um the liberal agenda but um also because it seems as though it's it's uh racist but that's this isn't about that i mean other than of course the extremist um islamic uh groups but um but you know the, the I, I saw it even even it was starting when I was there in medical school, and it certainly has has gotten worse, um, which is why the the economy is so bad in Europe, because these people who come over the immigrants are don 't really have any money and don 't really have any skills for the most part, and so really, they have been draining the European countries of resources they come over it 's a free ride. Um, they come over and get all kinds of social services and and it is just totally draining um the economies of these European countries, not to mention also you know uh, causing uh, causing uh, various disruptions from uh, england 's london seven seven to Ver Spain 's um terrorist attacks and so on but even just just economically and resource wise it it has changed Europe it's changed the culture um and and yes and that is not by it's not it's not by coincidence that this is happening as i'm sure you'll uh, no. underline
3: well i'm uh, i'm i'm just saying some unpleasant things that people don't want to hear right and uh and sometimes unpleasant things need to be said uh, the reason why the United States and free, and the free world has such a problem in coping with, with this, uh, what, what they call radical Islam, what I call the core of Islam, mm-hmm. and I'll explain why in a moment, uh, is, is that Americans especially believe in religious freedom. The, the, the country mm-hmm. was built on religious freedom. Uh, the 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 founding fathers, who the, the immigrants who came to the United States came for religious freedom, and those who came afterwards, the uh, the the Jewish immigrants came for religious freedom, the Catholic immigrants came for religious freedom, and and suddenly um, America is being confronted, and Europe is in, in much more danger at the, at the moment because the process is further along. They're being confronted with a force that wants to destroy it. That wants to do, to undo the free society. Now Europeans should know better because they went through it about 60, 70 years ago, uh, when, when Adolf Hitler exploited the freedoms that Germany was giving him and, and his Nazi party. And he exploited those freedoms in order to undo those freedoms. And that is exactly what the Islamic ideologues would do if they were given power in, the, in any of the Western countries. Uh, so so that, that, that is the the unpleasant reality. and uh, And why do I ca- say that I don't call it radical the extremist forms of Islam because we're not talking about the extremist forms. We're talking about the extreme manifestations. Which is a difference because um, Islam, the core of Islam, believes in jihad. Now, just as not every Nazi, uh, every member of the Nazi Party, believes in in putting Jews and and others in concentration camps, uh, so too with with Muslims. Not every Muslim believes uh, that. That uh, Jews need to be killed, as it says in the Quran, or or that jihad, meaning holy war against uh, non-believers, is the highest precept in Islam. Uh, not not every Muslim believes in that, obviously not. Uh, but the core of Islam does believe in jihad, believes in holy war against all the non-believers, which means every non-Muslim. And all mm-hmm. you have to do is look at a country like Saudi Arabia. Uh, or any of the other countries that have that that oppressive Islamic law called Sharia law, and you will see that the, it, it is forbidden to walk through the streets carrying a Bible, or or wearing a Jewish star or a cross. Uh, the, this is the reality in the Islamic world, and in the the uh, shall we say the Sharia law based countries and that that is a danger to the West because that is the goal in the west that is the goal in the in in europe and they're they're on their way towards that in europe um with all demographic estimates say that within uh another twenty to thirty years uh the Islamic population in in Europe will be approaching majority status hmm. wow, uh, so. So it's a very dangerous situation uh, for, for nuclear Europe, and, and because of that, it's a very dangerous situation for everybody. But in the United States itself, the Muslims are the fastest-growing population. No, the Hispanics are not. The Muslims are the fastest-growing population in the United States uh, because they have seven to eight children per family, or your average American family. Uh, if if uh, husband and wife get married and decide to have kids, uh, which... Isn't always the case, and many people aren't even getting married. But, uh, but, but they—they're uh, not going to have one or two, more than one or two kids in most cases. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is your basic arithmetic there, mm-hmm. and you see that mm-hmm. there is a serious demographic threat for the United States as well.
2: And you were saying that there was there was a three pronged approach to this,
3: um, right? Well, wh- destruction the- from the inside. Yes, once the demog- once there is demographic status that that gives uh, these Islamic ideologues power, uh, then then they go forward with their push in the legal system at at um, getting aspects of Sharia law um, a- allowed to be used for legal jurisprudence in the United States as considerations in various cases, and and then. Um, and then the the the, the third prong, and uh, not necessarily in that order, is is the attempts to change the educational system to to do away with the Judeo-Christian basis of the American educational system. And I and I say that um, uh, carefully because uh, obviously uh, in the public school system, uh, religion is not supposed to be taught but per se, but. But the, the values that are taught and have been taught in the American public schools have always been based on the Judeo-Christian civilization. Uh, so, uh, but, the, but the attempts are being made by the Islamic ideologues, with heavy funding from the Persian Gulf, to change the American educational system and... and uh, this is going on before our very eyes in my book, The Islamic Tsunami. I spelled it out very clearly in detail, just exactly what is happening.
2: Yes, I mean, yes, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we, we have heard or it was in the news a lot about the uh, imams that were thrown, well, thrown off, <laughs> were asked to leave an airplane a few years back, um, and then they sued and uh but there are things like that going on all the time where where um where the legal system is being confronted with decisions that you know and, and yes as you were saying it's i mean because we are so um such st- so strong believers in religious freedom it's hard to draw the line um everything turns out turns into being politically correct being influenced by wanting to be politically correct, and and each of these cases, um, little by little, are are eroding some of the um, safeguards. To I mean, it's not, you know, when is it religious freedom, and when is it really something that's part of a bigger plan?
3: Well, that that is the dilemma. The dilemma is very clear. Uh, does a free society? despite extending all of those freedoms and, uh, and tolerance towards different opinions, uh, doesn't a free society have a right to, to remain in existence? Do, does a free society have an obligation to self-destruct mm-hmm. in order to give freedom to those who want to undo those freedoms? That, that is yeah. the existential question that not enough people are asking.
2: Yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, well one of the things that I want to ask you and I guess I know we're heading towards a break. Um, but I wanted to one of the things that sort of uh another thing that boggles my mind. Lots of things these days are boggling my mind because this world is getting crazier than ever. Um, ah. Ah, okay, good. We're going to take a break now so I can ask you the question after the break. We're talking today with my guest uh, his name is David Rubin. He is, you know, he, you know David, you explain these things so clearly. Um, and yes, you know, it is this whole existential dilemma that people don't want to deal with, but but we have to before <laughs> before it's dealt with for us. Uh, David Rubin is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He has two books at the end of this uh, next segment. I'll tell you how to get them. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With my guest David Rubin, um, I want to get right to this uh, this question that's been that's been bothering me for a while, and, and yesterday it came up again. Uh, of course, you know, I'm sure you know because you have just spent some time here um, doing a lot of media and so on. Um, this country is so incredibly divided uh, by this presidential election, more than any other than I, that I can remember. And, um, you never know you think you know people and who they would be voting for, and then you get surprised and so, yesterday, I was talking to a woman who is um on the board with me um the l a chapter of American Friends of Magandavid at Adom, and um she she has been with that organization for years more than i have i I just uh, started this past year, and it 's a fabulous organization it provides. As you know, David, of course, it provides um, ambulances and other medical services, supplies to Israel, and it's a humanitarian organization. It doesn't just help Jewish Israelis. So, um, so of course, I assumed, since she was so devoted to Israel for years, um, that she would have, she would recognize that Obama is throwing Israel under the bus. And I said something just in casual conversation. Um, assuming that, and and she said, no, I don't think Obama. <laughs> I mean, it was this, it was a total surprise. So the question is, why do people? Why did Why do people? Why do Jews, especially Jews, or people who are so you don't have to be Jewish to be um, in love with Israel, but but why are people who are so uh, devoted to Israel still not getting it that Obama is throwing Israel under the
3: bus? Okay, well first of all, let, let me say that, uh, there are a lot of, a lot of good people who are involved in various charities for Israel. And as, as one who, of course, runs the, uh, the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, uh, which helps help terror victim children in Israel. Um, and I, I know that, that we do get donations from a variety of people. Uh, but, but the, the reality is this. Uh, that unfortunately there are a lot of people, and, uh, especially a lot of Jews, who are involved with supporting Israel in various ways, giving to various charities in Israel. Uh, but, but when it comes down to it, they, they just don't understand what it's like in Israel. And they, and, and they, they may be involved in, in charities and so on, but, uh, when push comes to shove, uh, their, their ideology is going to be liberalism. And, uh, and I say this with no, with no um, animosity towards liberals. Everyone has a right to, to whatever political philosophy they believe in. Uh, but but it, it just so happens that the, the liberalism very often takes the place of the pro-Israelism. And the, because mm-hmm. Israel just isn't up there and on their list of priorities, whatever they say. And perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just take alone the very fact that, uh, that the Prime Minister of Israel was humiliated by the, by President Obama, uh, d- during one of his visits to the White House when he, he was left fending for his dinner because President Obama didn't like what, what he had to say. Uh, there, there, there are just so many. I can make a long list, but a- anyone who calls for Israel to return to uh, its indefensible 1967 pre-1967 borders before the Six Day War um, is is just putting Israel in mortal danger. No one can claim to be a friend of Israel if they're calling for an independent Palestinian state. Just five miles from from ben-gurion in, ben-gurion International Airport hmm. uh, you know, it would be a mortal danger to Israel it, it would kill thousands of people in one shot and many of them would not even be Israelis uh, they, that that's what I'm talking about here so uh, you know if if someone really cares about Israel I don't care if they're Jewish or Christian or or atheist, or anything in between. Uh, the the fact is that that Israel needs a president that is going to stand together with Israel, and America needs an Israel that is going to stand together with the United States. And uh, the the fact is that the the intelligence uh, of the the Israeli. Uh, intelligence organizations and, you know, governmental intelligence organizations is, is second to none. Uh, we, we picked out the Iranian nuclear program that, that it was a weapons program uh, quite a number of years ago. Uh, the CIA in, in the year 2007 said that it was not a nuclear weapons program. Uh, mm-hmm. They were proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I could go down a long list of cases like this where Israeli intelligence has has helped the United states um, yeah. and, uh, you know i think I think that it is essential that that Americans stand with Israel, and uh, I as an Israeli would never even dream of saying that the united states uh, should should hand over. Uh, portions of the, the the heart of America to America's enemies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and then I, I wouldn't expect uh, that that any American who really cares about Israel, and especially Jewish Americans, uh, would would say that Israel should have to hand over its heartland, the a big chunk of the heart of Israel, including part of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, that Jews pray to, and have been praying to for, for 2,000 years, um, handed over to to three terrorist organizations, uh, mm-hmm. the Hamas, the Fatah, and the Islamic Jihad, uh, which is basically who runs the Palestinian Authority. Uh, yes, these are unpleasant just... truths that people don't want to hear, mm-hmm. unfortunately.
2: And people just have to look at a map to see how tiny Israel is compared to all of these other nations uh, in the Middle East. And it's so clear that um, it's not about, you know, no, these other countries don't need more land, that there will never be enough. It's never, it's not, you know, Israel has tried that before, and it's never enough, however much land um, they give up. Uh, it's never enough to satisfy the enemies, because that's not really what it's about. It's about encroaching more and more until Israel is gone
3: that's right that's not really what they want they They, they don't really want those little pieces of land I call them little pieces of land proportionally for israel yeah. uh, the The area that they want to set up the Palestinian state is the equivalent of handing over Kansas, Colorado and um, nebraska mm-hmm. um, and and maybe even New Mexico to. Uh, to the Islamic terrorists, uh, they, th- that's the equivalent, because we're talking about a country that's, uh, barely larger than the state of Delaware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, so, so it's a mortal, let, let me just say this, it, it is a mortal <laughs> danger to Israel. Israel would be sacrificing its very life if it would hand over, uh, the, the, those regions, and and that's becoming more and more uh... standard uh... understanding in israel uh... i would say that in the the parties the political parties that are running in the elections uh... that are coming up actually in israel in on january twenty second uh... it seems that about seventy percent of those parties uh... are are no longer calling for an independent palestinian state in uh... in judea and samaria or eastern jerusalem the area the area they call the West Bank. Uh, so so opinion is changing in Israel and hopefully the the Jewish Americans will uh, will will follow that that trend and that pattern and will will start to really look after the survival of Israel not not just for helping us to lick our wounds after the terrorist attacks.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, well is there is there a strong I mean is this a big how strong is the attention that's being paid in Israel to our to America's election
3: Oh, it's very strong the uh, <clears throat> The Israelis are paying very close attention the pro Romney vote uh, is is quite strong um, Obviously most Israelis don't have the right to vote uh, but there, there are many dual citizens in israel mm. uh, who who do have the right to vote and uh-huh. I, I, count my, I count myself among them and um, I've already placed my vote, so um uh, you know and, and it's interesting you know because i a lot of um a lot of American Jews had this
2: but well, let me yeah, just—I uh, I just want to make sure that I give people the um, the uh, website to go to um, yes. to find out more about uh, your book and so on. It's shilohisraelchildren.org for the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. S H I L O H israelchildren.org. .dot org, and for the book, The Islamic Tsunami. Um, obviously, it's on Amazon and so on, but it's also islamictsunami.com, .dot com. Islamic T S U N A M I Tsunami .dot com. And thank you so much, David, for for coming back. This is, you know, this is uh, really important information that people need to understand before they cast cast their vote in this incredibly important election. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.